0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Michael Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. John chapter six and verse 44. I want to talk to you this morning, and uh, if if we're going to title this, Brother Hickey, I'd like to title it "When Opportunity Knocks." It's been said that all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. There's a story, and, and I know my dad has told it told it a few times about a, a man who's walking along the beach, and he sees ahead of him a, another young man that is, that is running hastily to pick up these starfish as the tide goes out. And as he, he runs, he, he finds a starfish and he throws it back into the ocean. And he just continues to do this, and, and finally the, the two men meet, and the, the one gentleman says, well, do you, do you realize that your effort is futile? I mean, there, so many of these are going to die. And as the young man takes that starfish and throws it back in the ocean, he said, well, it matters a lot to this one. Because this one was saved. There was an opportunity that presented itself to this young man. And just like any other person, he could have looked at it and said, wow, there's just way too many. But he had an opportunity and he made a choice. And what he did affected that starfish. We have opportunity today. God has an opportunity today. And God is looking for an opportunity to help someone. God today is looking for an opportunity to save someone for eternity. Now, if you you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6 and verse 44, it says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at that last day. And if you go down to verse 47, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. If you're here today, I want you to know that there's a reason that you're here. Verse 44 says, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. You've been drawn here for a purpose today. If you're a visitor and this is your first time ever stepping foot in this church, thank you. You took advantage of an opportunity and I promise you, God will not disappoint. You may be seated. I'm just going to talk to you for a few minutes again about when opportunity knocks. Now, if you truly believe in God, you will give him the opportunity to have control of your life. Now, you could say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, you're probably in the wrong place today, or maybe in the right place. But if you're here, I believe that you do believe in a God. And you need to give him the opportunity to have control. That opportunity does not happen by accident, it happens through your decisions and my decisions. You have been given free will from God to choose what you want to be in control, who you want to be in control. Whether it's you or whether it's him. Your choice. As Americans in this day and age, there is a certain naivety in our everyday lives. If you've not been overseas um, before, whether it was in the military or a visit, I'm not talking about vacation. Those of you that think Cancun is overseas at an all-you-can-eat resort buffet type style thing, that's that's not what I'm talking about. But if you haven't been there, you, you may struggle to understand what I'm saying, but I'll try and describe it as best I can. See, we take so many things for granted. We have the freedom to make decisions, good or bad, as much as we want. When we look at the consequences of our actions, we oftentimes just look at ourselves and how it affects us. See, when you're overseas, you don't get a lot of choices, depending on where you're at. I've been to, we spent a month in in Singapore um, ministering over there. And as you flew in to Singapore, you were given a list of rules and things you could not do while you were in Singapore, such as chew gum. No gum allowed in Singapore. There was a list, and, and they actually had T-shirts. They said, um, they said, Singapore is a fine city. And they had a list of how much each of those fines were for what, if you violated. And they were simple things. Um, some things that you would think would just be a little odd to make a rule about, but here it it 's really we got a lot of freedom, and as I, I preached about a few weeks ago that can be that can be good and bad, but I think we have, as a society have become selfish. we are oftentimes without thought for how our actions affect other people now i 've got this my, my dad gave me this new Bible that was um, done by the United Pentecostal Church, an apostolic study Bible, and it has a commentary in it. And I want to share this with you because I think this, this relates quite well. My, my dad obviously just spoke about Job uh, a little bit last week, and, and I thought um, in, in reading this that it just corresponded very well. In part of the commentary in Job chapter 13, it says, Satan's argument was that humanity will not serve God without recompense. And God was using Job as a witness to prove there are individuals who will serve him faithfully with or without blessing. With or without blessing. Now as a society, I think in some of our selfishness, our actions have a direct correlation to our priorities. And we're looking for an opportunity or we look at an opportunity oftentimes is how can I benefit from this? As opposed to how can I bless someone else? Or how does this affect someone else? And that kind of, our priorities are determined a lot by that. Now, I will tell you that I am, I am just as guilty as anybody else in looking at situations and bypassing them oftentimes. Because it doesn't fit into my schedule. Um, It doesn't work out just right. And I think I know myself, I have to kind of reevaluate how I look at somebody on the side of the road or somebody struggling. Now, I can look at it and say, well, you know what? It doesn't benefit me. How does that help me? how do I gain anything out of this situation? And if we look at it that way, at the opportunities that God presents us with as how does it help me, we will find ourselves getting less and less opportunities. Because if we prove to God that we don't want to take advantage of the opportunities he gives us, why waste it on you? Okay? I know that, I mean, some of this... I've read through my notes several times, so I know some of this is going to get a little brash. Believe me, it's to me also, okay? So I'm not, not coming down on, on you specifically. But I think we have to look at stuff and reprioritize as Christians to take the same attitude that Christ took. It wasn't, I mean, are you kidding me? What did he benefit from coming here? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody, he got me, wow, what a reward. You know, he endures all this pain and suffering. That was his reward. I can't get too far ahead of myself or I'll really screw myself up here. Acts chapter three and verse one, and a beat. Acts chapter three and verse one says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Okay, so they're presented with an opportunity. Here's a gentleman. Obviously, valid issues, valid problem, says, please give me money. Please help me. Now, they're presented with, I mean, this guy's laid daily there. It's not like this is the first time that they have seen him here. He's laid daily at the gate. They're, they're going to pray. And as they walk by him, they could do what they've done so many times before. And just walk by. I mean, let's, let's be honest here. Okay, it doesn't say that. I I imagine Peter and John have gone to the temple at the hour of prayer many times before this. And if this gentleman is laid there daily, they've passed him by before. Am I? Is that reach? Is that a reach? Okay. So here, here they are. They're they're walking past him. he, He asks again. He says, "Please help me." And the and the Bible is great with this description. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them, money, food, something. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. You gotta think at that point, that guy was pretty disappointed. Oh, great, a loaf of bread. But he said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, again, this opportunity had presented itself before. But this time, they took a step of faith. What happens if this guy doesn't get up? but it's an opportunity. And in verse seven, it says, and he took him by the right hand. He didn't just say, get up. He helped him up. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. What do you think this man would rather have had? Some money? Or the ability to walk? I would think walk. Walk. But it took someone seeing this man as not a nuisance, but as an opportunity. I know I've heard a lot of people say, God does not need us. The Bible says that if we weren't going to praise him, the rocks will immediately cry out. So what are the advantages of God using us. If he doesn't need us, what's the advantage to using us? Now, for those of you that don't know, I'm I'm in the sales position, and um, those of you that are in sales know what a warm referral is. And for those of you that don't, a warm referral is that someone has let someone else know who you are and what you do and they've asked that person to speak with you, okay? So I sell business insurance, and, and I have a client, and that client refers me to someone else and says, hey, I'd really recommend Michael Kylie to help you out with your business insurance. That's a warm referral. Those are wonderful. I love those. I like when I get calls from people and don't just have to cold call people. Because it's much easier to speak to someone that you already know or have some common um, individuals that you both know, and the person, and that that person knows that you will care about them. As opposed to always having to use a donkey to speak to people, I think God likes a warm referral. Not that it's as dramatic. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think if I walk down the road... And had a donkey speak to me, I'd probably end up in a separate place, but it would be pretty unique and I'd get the message. But I think God is looking at us as a warm referral. I think that's where God wants to use us, is to be able to say, you know what? I know this person that would really take care of you. I know this person that could bring bring peace to your life and joy to your life, that could save you for eternity, and I'd really like you to introduce you to my friend, Jesus Christ, and it's, us, it's up to us to determine if we will take the time to listen to him when he tries to give us opportunities to speak to people. There's a famous quote that says, I used to feel so alone in the city, all those gazillions of people, and then me on the outside. Because how do you meet a new person? I was very stunned by this for many years, and then I realized you just say hi. They may ignore you, or you may marry them. And that possibility is worth one word. Hi. Do you think it's a coincidence that most people come to God when they are at their lowest? Any coincidence there? Instead of when they are at their highest? It's amazing how well you can hear when you shut up. Because when you are high in life and you know that you've got this all under control, you're in charge, you got this thing by the tail and you're wagging it. There's no reason for God in a lot of people's lives. That's what they feel. I've got this under control, who needs God? And they're doing so much talking that they're not hearing what God has to say to them. But when you find out that maybe you aren't the best person to be in control, and you find out that maybe someone else could have input that could positively affect your life, you tend to be a little bit more quiet because you're being humbled. And humility eventually will lead you to getting on your knees, one way or another. God looks at you as a walking opportunity. Can God speak to someone without using you? Yes. But he wants to use you. I believe that one of the reasons that God came to earth and robed himself in flesh is explained in Hebrews chapter four and verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is an example. If he had never come to earth, I guarantee you that there would be people that said, well, you know what, he never had to deal with this. He never had to be tempted with this. The Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. This scripture verse says that he was tempted in all ways like as we, yet without sin. So that tells me that he's experienced what I've experienced. He's gone through trials. He's gone through tribulations. In fact, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's been tried more than I have. Here's here's a person that came to seek and to save that which was lost. He does know where you're at. And he does know how it feels to be tempted. He does know how it feels to be scourged and crucified, humiliated. He knows. But he still took advantage of the opportunities that he was given. To touch the lives of those that he came in contact with. See, even Jesus, as we can see in the scripture, had enemies. All the good he did. I mean, think about this. I I mean, has anybody here raised somebody from the dead? Has anybody here touched somebody and healed them of leprosy or blinded eyes? No. No. Not everyone is going to like you, even if you do really good things. Just the way it is. There will be people that just don't like you. Winston Churchill said it this way. You have enemies. Good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. Very true. Not only did Jesus have people that didn't like him, he had people that wanted to kill him. And again, what did he do? Healed people. Touched people's lives. Gave them freedom from demons. I mean, you look at, he didn't do anything to deserve it. But when killing him, just the thought of killing him wasn't enough. They had to scourge him and beat him and have him walk through the city, carrying a cross and humiliate him wasn't even legal it was one or the other either the beating or the crucifixion they combined both of them on them this was done to someone who tried to help them so when you try to help somebody and you try and take advantage of that opportunity to help somebody not everyone is going to be receptive but that doesn't mean you don't take advantage of the opportunity You have to take advantage of the opportunity because God is counting on you to be his warm referral. There are people that will refuse to hear what you say and will deny God here. That does not mean you shouldn't take the next opportunity. There are people that will will say things against you because you're standing up for what's right. That's okay. There's going to be those people just like there were with with Jesus Christ. And the fact that he knew what he was going to encounter and still did what he did should make it much easier on us. We might get embarrassed. Why? I see somebody that's, that's struggling and I try to offer them a word of encouragement or pray with them. And they say, no. What are you, a holy roller? Yeah. Right back at you. Enjoy that cold. I'd recommend halls. You know? I mean, really, what's the worst that can happen? It's not like they're going to throw you up on a cross and nail you to it, beat you. They're worth taking the chance. Just like you were worth taking the chance. You were an opportunity that someone took advantage of and said, you know what? I need to say something to them. I need to encourage them. I need to invite them to church. You were worth it. And so are they. Now, as Jesus is on the cross, he faced a choice and an opportunity. Now, for those of you that may have a different belief system, this is what I believe. I believe the Bible says that Jesus is God, robed in flesh, okay? But he has a fleshly being. He, he felt, when I was a kid, I'm just going through Sunday school, um, I, was, I thought that because he was God, he didn't feel any pain, okay? Okay? I think it wasn't until I was in high school brother uh, brother Bob Meyer showed us a video of a of a pastor describing what it was like to be crucified. And it wasn't until that moment that I realized how much pain Jesus went through. Um, I won't get too descriptive again this was this was a long time ago. That that we watched it but I remember him talking about the fact that You know, Jesus' feet are are nailed together on the cross and just the sheer weight of him and his body hanging there that he would have to push up with his feet on that nail to be able to gather breath and then then sink back down. The pain and the excruciating amount of, I mean, you can't even describe it, that he went through was for us. And even on as he's on the cross he says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." But he's presented with an opportunity. And it's talked about in Luke chapter 23 and verse 39. And I think it's amazing because if you if you again look at the entire spectrum of this, you have Jesus Christ, on a cross, struggling for every breath. He's been beaten. His back is hamburger meat. His sides are torn. His hands are nailed to a cross. His feet are nailed to a cross. And one of the malefactors, he's got one on either side of him. You've seen the pictures, I'm sure, thousands of times. One of the malefactors which were hanged, railed on him, saying, Thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Mocking. Come on, you're God. Save yourself. And if you could, you know, you can cut these ropes off of me and let me go down too. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Even as he's on the cross, struggling for every breath that he can take, this is what he says. Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. An opportunity presented itself, even on the cross. Two different people. One mocking, one sitting there saying, I was wrong. I deserve my punishment. But Jesus, please save me. And I can almost imagine what it was like for Jesus to push himself up, to gather enough air in his lungs to be able to speak, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He took advantage of his opportunity. Jesus affected a lot of people by performing miracles of healing throughout his time on earth. But in the last moments, he affected this man's eternity. Wasn't just the healing of his legs. Wasn't just that he was no longer a leper. But Jesus gave him a promise. It's the same promise he's given to you. And when we look at opportunities, we need to be looking at them as a, as a long term investment. It's been a lot of years since Jesus was crucified on the cross. And he looked at each and every one of us and he looked at that moment i believe and he said yep i gotta do this he said it in the garden if you can let this cup pass i'd appreciate it but nevertheless not thy, not my will but thine be done they're worth the investment they're worth the stripes on my back. They're worth the nails through my hands and feet. If I can have an opportunity to save them through this sacrifice, I'm willing to make the long-term investment. Will we give God more opportunity in our lives to use us the way he wants to use us? That's really the question this morning. Will we allow God to use us the way he wants to? When we look at people, we need to look at them as an opportunity to be used by God. Not just the person that's pulled over on the side of the road. Not just the person that's struggling to carry groceries and could use a door being open for them. That's great, and we should still do that but every person is an opportunity. When we look through the book of Acts, there are a ton of examples of people who allowed God to use them as an opportunity for God to be glorified. What about you? You know, I've heard it said a thousand times, we're still writing the book of Acts. What's your page gonna read? What about you? What about today? You have an opportunity today as you sit in this place to enter into the throne room of God. We've been in his very presence today already through the worship and praise that we lifted up. His presence is in this place. You have the opportunity to have him enter into your life and to make the changes that you need. Maybe not necessarily the ones you want, but make the changes that you need for your life that he feels are necessary to use you to accomplish his will and your potential. You have the opportunity this morning to be filled with his spirit. You have an opportunity. And to show others that they have an opportunity to be touched by God as well. See, we can sometimes get in the mode where, well, I've got the Holy Ghost, so I'm good. You have an opportunity today to be refilled with his spirit. To be re-energized. And to recommit yourself to get more opportunity. I spoke several weeks ago on a Wednesday night about talents. I think it's the same thing with opportunity, folks. God wants to give us and has given us several opportunities to be used by him. We need to take advantage of it. It doesn't matter if you've been in the church you know, 10 days or 10 years, it's sometimes more difficult for those of us that have been in it for so long to remember that we still need to take advantage of our opportunities. I've been this my whole life, and I, you know, it occurred to me the other day, I'm, I'm 38 years old, I think. That was a joke. You guys aren't making much noise out there. I just want to make sure you're still awake. 38 years. And God still has to remind me to use my talents and to take advantage of the opportunities that he presents me with. Now I could say, you know what? Let somebody else do it. But that's not why God saved me. God saved me with a purpose. And that purpose is to reach out to others and to help them be introduced to him. Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read a lengthy portion of scripture here. I just think it's so fitting. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1. I'm going to read verse 1 through 14. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What joy? You and I. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, wherefore, or whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after our own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Reading the scripture, I see that we have a promise. Yes, there are going to be tough times. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be scorned. But you have an opportunity to have an eternity with Jesus Christ. It's worth it. You're worth it. And so are they. You'd stand with me this morning. Every day that you wake up, God has given you an opportunity to be a living testimony. I like Winston Churchill. He's got a lot of good, uh, good quotes. I should say I like his quotes. It says this, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity but an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty God has given you an opportunity to share his love with others to be an example to those around you good or bad you have an opportunity and they're going to see your example will you take advantage of that opportunity? Will you take the time to invest in someone else, even if it doesn't benefit you at all? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time. We've been in your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice that you made to save us,